welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at our various locations around uh, the metropolitan New York City area. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly, editor of PW Comics World, and editor of the Fanatic PW's uh, twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes and on Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. And also, don't forget, you can let us know how we're doing by sending us an email at pwcomicsworld at gmail.com or you can leave us a rating on iTunes or you could tweet at us or Facebook at us or just, you know, send up a smoke signal. Just let us know how we're doing because we love to hear from our loyal listeners. Hit us up, drop us a dime, um, ring me up, whatever, you know, whatever cool cat and cool kitten lingo you use, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Okay. All right. This week on More to Come, comic sales in 2019, book scan numbers uh, as well. Uh, and we're going to look at the list of who got PPP loans in the comics world. Uh, again, a disturbing um, website devoted to the victims of Warren Ellis. We will take a look at that. Uh, Comic-Con at Home, the virtual event. We're going to talk about Old Guard. And then um, Calvin will chit-chat about a few things on his mind. So. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what? Let's just get Calvin, Calvin chit-chatting about things on his mind. Oh, my yes, gosh. I've got Woo! stuff on my mind. Uh, but well, it, won't take, it won't take up much time. Yes. Okay. So. <laughs> well, comic sales, you know, within a couple of days. I mean, here we are in July. But uh, the two uh, most eagerly awaited sales analysis of the year for 2019 just arrived last week. Uh, yeah, and Ryan Hibbs book scan analysis, which uh, ran on the beat, ran to about 20,000 words because Brian <laughs> is quite prolix. Uh, and then also uh, John Jackson Miller and Milton Greep did their sales analysis. Yeah. And I mean, it, what? It, it, while this was a look at 2019, it really makes you uh, just wonder what could have been uh, mm. for 2020 um, yeah. in so many different ways. Because 2019 really was a record year uh, for the combined sales of, of, of periodical and book format comics. Uh, 2019 North American comic sales, $1.21 billion. I mean, that's a record number, uh, an 11% increase over 2018 sales. Uh, once again, driven by the book format, the graphic novel. And of course, sales of children's graphic novels in the bookstore. Specifically, Dogman. Well, uh, certainly Dogman was, yeah. So I, I, I yeah. and you, the eight volumes of Dogman together, <laughs> according to Brian Hibbs, uh, the eight volumes together represent 15%, 16% of all comics sold last year, according to Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you guys uh, did not read Brian's piece, which I'm so shocked and hurt by. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, 
Yeah, but I mean, we've all been too busy, caring. You know, the longer this this quarantine goes on, let me tell you, the longer things take to do. All right, so, whew. Uh, but you know, uh, a couple. Just, yeah, Brian has a lot, so he analyzes the seven hundred and fifty top books as sent by Bookscan, and we now officially get the numbers from Bookscan. We work with NPD Bookscan to get our you know our report out. Uh, they do not let us do all the numbers. So, but Brian said, like, uh, in 2018, the top 750 graphic novels at retail, this might not be what they sold, but in 2018, that sold $165 million. In 2019, it was $226 million. So that is, uh, you know, $60 million more. Uh, most of it, Dave Pilkey, I guess, but. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, most likely. Yeah, um, um, but according to yeah. you know, Dogman for whom the ball rolls sold more than a million copies. Brawl of the Wild seven hundred eighty nine thousand copies. Dogman the Fetch twenty two six hundred eight. I mean, these are insane numbers. Guts Reina yep. coming in with four hundred fifty thousand copies sold. These are numbers we've never seen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, they're 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 just crazy. <laughs> I mean, uh, just a reminder, you know, I mean, for twenty eighteen. Right, I think it was 2018. Was it or was it 20? The dog, you know, uh, uh, Pokey was PW's, you know. Yeah, been the year for 2019. Yes, correct. Yes, Calvin, yeah. Calvin sensibly got so, it. So, yeah. for for all of the reasons we're here, and not just for his sheer numbers, but for his sheer ability to make kids read yeah. books. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at this Comicron report also, which they have these really nice infographics, which, uh, Calvin, you only ran one of them. you got to run all three because, you know... Yeah, well, that's easier... It's easy for you to say. <laughs> I know, but I, I just I know how the, the people love charts. I'm just always yeah, saying. I know, I know, I know. So anyway, uh, but uh, that Milton Grieve, John Jackson Miller pointed out for the first time ever, the book channel sold more than the comic shop channel. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, I have to admit, I've heard that claim before, so I'm I'm a little dubious about this right? actually being the first time. So I've heard uh, different, you know, maybe it was a different, um, maybe it was being expressed in a different way, but I've heard this before. Hey, the bookstore channel has sold more than for the first time. So I'm a little confused by that claim. Um, but who am I to, you know, challenge? Well, it's the, funny the because I'm, I, I am now, looking, uh, I'm, that's funny you say that because I'm actually, look, no, I'm looking at the report for 2018. Um, and according to this, and uh, comic stores were 510 million, and book channel was 465. So uh, 2018, they said it was less. So uh, digital seems to be down pretty significantly, though, down about 10 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I get the feeling. I mean, I don't even know how they count digital. Yeah. <laughs> and and it just seems to mysteriously rise and fall, but never. It seems to always be in the 90 to 100 million range. Um, but so I'm not really sure since, you know, I guess the the vast majority of that business is Amazon and it ain't talking. So I'm, I'm always right. kind of curious yeah, it's true. about how they come to those figures. But nobody else has any – it doesn't even have a guess. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go with them. Um, but, I mean, I mean, really, to me, obviously, um, uh, you know, I'm most concerned with the format. Uh, but clearly uh, – and, and you're right about the um, – the charts. I wish I had them in front of me now. I know they're up on the beat uh, because they, you know, they they lay out what's selling where, both by format uh, and by channel. 
But you know what? What I, I admit, what I'm, what I'm really gets to me is this was pr- this was primed to really be another record year. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, be, do the online sales and basically the desperate need of parents to put something in front of their kids. Uh, this could twenty twenty could still turn out to be an eye popping year. Uh, for graphic novel sales. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, you know, I think it's not going to be as horrible as it could have been. <laughs> yeah, it, you, know, you and know, yeah, and that's a good way to put it, too. Yeah, and um, um, I mean, you know, we're seeing retail sales remains, you know, like, like not good, not awesome, not up, but not down as much as, you know, half of the nation still being stuck at home would indicate or would suggest, you know. So, I mean, there are, look, there are a lot of states where you can do anything you want. You can go to the restaurant or hang out in a bar or go to the bookstore. And, um, you know, for the moment, if you're crazy, but... um. (laughs) Well, there's some crazy states out there. Yeah, there are, yeah. But, you know, what also is happening is, I mean, certainly, uh, and this doesn't pertain strictly to comic shops, uh, but, 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 you know, independent bookstores, for instance. I mean, many of these stores, particularly, for instance... Black independent bookstores, they're actually, uh, you know, even when they, you have a website, uh, you're, we're seeing a lot of benefit sales. Uh, and like for instance, me, I, I you know, I've, I've opened accounts at a couple of black bookstores because mm-hmm. I just want to buy some books, but they're overwhelmed. They, their sites were never actually intended right. to be their main selling source. Uh, so they're buried under, <laughs> under orders. I mean, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Um, uh, so the, the, the numbers are a little slow because they've actually admitted uh, many stores that it's going to take them a while to actually ship these orders out. And this yeah. is happening in uh, in comics retail. I, I noticed some retailers who didn't have a website at all, and they, they've sort of, they've sort of kind of turned into a kind of email, you know, buy up your your pull lists. I'll ship them out. Uh, so, you know, the numbers are kind of creeping in, uh, you know, uh, in some ways online as best we can. Right. Yeah, that's, that's true. And I mean, I, I do think, I mean, every story I've worked on for PW this year has had a similar kind of a backdrop. You know, I did the con story, I did the story mm-hmm. about libraries and, uh, everybody is learning to love their online sales, you know? Mm-hmm. And everybody is getting it set up, whether they had it before. Uh, they they sure have it now. I you know we didn't have this in our story list, but uh, Marvel has set up an online store via ReadPop. Oh yeah, and, that's you know, right. So which I understand is a deal that was you know probably pre-COVID, but um mm-hmm. you know like every you know Marvel's not stupid. I mean we've talked about them plenty of times about you know stuff they've done that we don't like, but they. Uh, they like money and, um, you know, like online sales, so you know, like having that in the works before this is turned out to be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I, and, you know, and on that note, I mean, certainly one of the points in your library story, the libraries have switched over almost a hundred percent of their acquisitions to digital and that includes digital comics. And, um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see that figure. Uh, on the digital side next year, because we might see really this. We maybe maybe we'll get a, a really plausible number, yeah. Because um, they're, they're library and, and librarians are not necessarily buying through Amazon, so they're buying through um, most likely buying through OverDrive. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are 
ways we can get, you know, uh, ICV-2 and, and Comicron can get some, some better numbers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I wanted to highlight a couple just more of the fa- uh, things from the book scan. Uh, story, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, I know you guys would be talking about this if you had read the story. <laughs> um, so, uh, which you didn't see. I mean, it was a busy. I know you guys were busy. So, uh, anyway, uh, twenty thousand words. It's twenty thousand words long. Twenty thousand words. Uh, okay, so I said the top. Uh, I'm just gonna read the top twenty. Uh, books that we do have on here. Uh, the Dogman, 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 Guts at number four, Dogman, Lord of the Fleas, number five, number six, Dogman and Cat Kid, number seven, Dogman, number eight, Dogman Unleashed, number nine, Dogman, A Tale of Two Kitties, number ten, Strange Planet. Now, Strange Planet by Nathan Pyle is the only graphic novel that's kind of like a humor book that it's just huge. It says it sold to a quarter of a million copies on Bookscan. As we know, that's you know, just a metric. It's not even, I'm sure it sold a lot more than that. Uh, but yeah, this book has been a powerhouse. I see it's the number one book on Bookscan right now, well, graphic novel. Um, so, uh, let's see, number 11, Drama by Rainy Telgemeier. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Number 12, Boy Crazy Stacy, which is a Babysitter's Club book. Uh, number 13, mm-hmm. Smile by Here Raina Kalkar. 14, Best Friends by Shannon Hale uh, from For a Second. Number 15, The Lost Air, Wings of Fire graphic novel. I don't know what that is, but I'm um, sure it's good. Neither, but yep. Yeah. Number 16, Sisters by Raina Telgemeier. Number 17, Ghosts by Raina Telgemeier. <laughs> uh, number 8, The Dragonette Prophecy by uh, Tui Sutherland. These are, this and The Wings of Lost Air, these are two graphic Graphics books. They're they're a fantasy series. Um, number nineteen, just Jaime, uh, or yeah, might not be for just me, Jamie, mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, by Terry Levinson. And at number twenty, the top manga, My Hero Academia, volume sure. one. So um, the number one manga publisher was Viz, no. uh, which had fifty eight percent of the market. Um, and the number one graphic novel publisher was once again Scholastic. Uh, you know, <laughs> the most unsurprising thing possible uh let me see if it just had we called them western or occidental publishers um but you know they were they were up a huge bit in 2019 but yes yeah, scholastic mm-hmm. was number one. Oh, brian didn't make a chart that showed who was number one uh, scholastic had 40 percent of the book market uh followed by um a lot of a lot of numbers <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah That's uh, all right, followed by it, number it, Number two was HarperCollins, and number three was Penguin Random House. So, oh, okay, there you go. So there you go. Then uh, Macmillan, and uh, well, we don't even see it. The DC comes in at number six this year. All right. Mm. Well, there you go. It is comprehensive to say the freaking least. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, it, it, I mean, we're sitting here in our, you know, sheltering in place. Uh, I mean, you know, earlier this year, uh, the Bologna Book Fair was going to launch its first ever yeah. comics, uh, comics corner. It's, it was going to start with 50 exhibitors. It's zero to 50. Uh, now, there were always comics publishers uh, at Bologna, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, it's the place for children's books. It's, it's well, I want to call it the book expo of children's book publishing, uh, but it's it's really a much stronger show now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you it's, know, look, and this it's, is, 
It's a rights fair too. Yeah. It's a big rights fair. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that the COVID has destroyed, including everything. Uh, but, um, at least here in the U.S., I hear they could even go to soccer games in some countries that are smarter. Uh, and they have, yeah. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I will be, obviously it's our job to sit here and prognosticate about how comics and graphic novels industry will come back as we negotiate these unprecedented times. So, yes. but you know, to be, you know, to, uh, just to be optimistic as, as I want, um, the, even the Bologna, uh, virtual fair was something of a success in terms of traffic and, and we'll and, and we'll talk about this more when we come up to, to Comic Con at home. But but uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, it, it it gives a, it really does give you a picture of what could have been uh, for this year um, in terms of a, of a physical show and a physical showing of comics in European and presentation for rights. So, but um, I, I don't think this enthusiasm for the category is going to go away despite a pandemic. I I agree. So. So yeah, uh, so you know what? 2019 was a very good year for this medium that we love. Yeah. Um, well, to switch to now the happy, you know, looking back at the snapshot of the peak year, you know, we'll look back and, you know, just, uh, I don't know, one of those movies where they look back when everything was awesome as they lie in their hovel. Um, but, uh, yeah, so now post-COVID, uh, we had all these PPP things that happened in April. It was very soon, like right out of the box, the government was like, hey, we're going to give you some money. And as uh, we learned, a lot of comic shops or comics uh, companies said, okay, we will take your money. Yeah. Please, give and, us some uh, money. Yeah. And apparently uh, a, a fair number of comics people did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And got it. And got it. I mean, that's what I find uh, pretty impressive because um, – uh, you know, not everybody could get this money. Um, even yeah. if, or even if you fit the profile of a company that should get it, it didn't mean you could. Um, and Heidi has a great list of people who did get it. Although you know what, who it's, I don't see on your list. Uh, apparently Ted Adams told me Clovis got, uh, Clovis Press, his new. Is it, oh, Clover, Clovis or Clover? Uh, Clover, excuse me. Uh. Clover Press, uh, that they got the PPP loan. So, uh, but there's some, you know, there's some interesting names on this list. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, it's very like uh, I'm sure anyone who's a smart business person got a loan. Like I did not get a loan, so uh, I'm not a smart business person. And so, um, well, so- and I will say this in, in your defense, uh, this was not easy because Publishers Weekly got one, and I heard the tale of what it took. And Publishers Weekly is a pretty good brand name. And yeah, and we, it's been around for over 100 been years. Been around for 100, over 150 years. And believe me, uh, it was touch and go. Uh, and, and in some ways, almost a stroke of luck that we got ours because you really had to have a strong relationship with a bank mm-hmm. if you were expected to get this loan. And if right. you did not, if, if you're just walking up to some bank and like, hey, I you were probably – even if you fit the profile perfectly because the banks were basically focusing on their customers and helping them to get through and get these loans. Right, right, yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's 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 um, 
it's impressive. I mean, they got their their, their crap together. They got their stuff together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diamond got the biggest blend. Now, you know, when you say, I didn't find Clover Press, well, I mean, there's like thousands. And thousands. You said it's a database up now? Yeah. It's a database, yes. Mm-hmm. And trust me, it was, this was a labor <laughs> of love. I so love the comics industry that I went through here. Um, and found some, but, uh, and the loans are based on the size of the company, not based on the size of the, of the, um, not based on the, the size of, uh, you know, the their income. Yeah. So, so Diamond got a loan. It's only by range. Diamond got a loan in the range of five to $10 million. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's number, then we saw Andrews McMeal, Dark Horse, Newberry Comics, and Viz got loans in the range of two point two to $5 million. Again, this mm-hmm. is based on staffing. So, mm-hmm. um, right. yeah, the deal is right. You get the loan, you don't lay people off and you don't have to pay it back. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you do lay people off, you have to pay it back. Yes. That's my understanding anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I, I see a San Diego comic convention. On yes, the, on they the did. Well. So even if you were a, uh, a, a nonprofit, you could get a loan, uh, you know, fantastic. I see Midtown Comics on here twice. Yeah, so I saw that as well. Uh, you know, uh, spoiler, I searched for the word comics because, again, mm-hmm. every search took like five minutes and it was impossible to scan this list. But um, uh, they are on here twice because they have two different businesses. So Midtown Comics Online is their online shipping. So it's located in uh, a county, Nassau County, I believe. Uh, Midtown Comics uh, Inc. is their retail locations, their actual comics, their store locations. So those are two separate business divisions. I mean, Diamond got several uh, loans here. They also got a loan for Diamond Select Toys for mm-hmm. only a few hundred thousand dollars and for Rosebud Entertainment, which I'll be honest, I don't know what Rosebud is, but uh, they got a loan for it. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think isn't it a plot point, but never mind. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Um, a lot of well, comic shops. Again, I searched for the word comics. A lot of comic shops did yeah. get these loans. New Dimension Comics, Madness Comics and Games, Graham Crackers, um, mm-hmm. you know, Co- Comic Connect. Uh, San Diego Comic Con got one. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So yeah, well, we I, see uh, we see our old favorites here: Archie, Boom, uh, Image. Um, you know, Fanographics. Yeah, every publisher I yeah. searched Humanoids, for was, yeah, was so. on here. Uh, so, you know, because again, it was money and it was there and they, they should get the money. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad these companies got some, I mean, there's no, you know, I put up this list, I said, it's not a list of shame. It's just people who are smart about getting some money to help them through not having any income for, you know, an unknown amount of time. All right. So, uh, well, um. Uh, it's good to see. I mean, obviously, we've been reading horror stories about people who can't get loans. Um, uh, so obviously, it's it's good to see the people in this industry were able to. Uh, all of this stuff is helpful. I know it, it was a big sigh of relief here at PW um, when our loan came through. So good luck to everybody out there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There you go. Uh Shall we segue to the next point on our list, or why? Yes, why don't we? Yes. because it's so depressing. But yes, it, it, it must be done. Um, who wants to do this? This is the the oh, sad. Well, 
So, you know, we've been talking about Warren Ellis on here a few weeks about how there were, um, you know, allegations against him of, uh, you know, really just, I mean, a sexual misconduct, but kind of being an online predator of really getting, you know, having online relationships, sometimes not online, with a lot, many, many women over a period of 20 years and a and, website. And you know, to clarify, it's not that they were necessarily aware of the existence of these other women. Many of them were in the mistaken impression that they were um, a lot more uh, his one and only than they really were. Yes. So a website has gone up, got up called uh, So Many of Us, and it's really an amazing, amazing database. Uh, it has accounts from uh, more than 20 women, but I mean more than 60 women signed a statement about Ellis, and there's very, very detailed accounts from – you know, there's there's more than a dozen very detailed accounts of everything that happened. And look, you could say, oh, he was dating multiple women at one time. What a cad. Yeah, uh, yes. But I'm, I'm telling you, like at one point he had as many as 18 online relationships. So, you know, in one year he had like 18 different relationships. So, you know, mm. this guy was uh, a, an addict, or is an addict, and um, wow. it's just I mean, very, it's very sad. It's just, just sad. But this website's great. It has the best resource page I've ever seen. Uh, for I mean, this website is really, uh, very. Uh, it's incredible. It's really just an amazing website. Uh, the re- just go to the resource page. It has like links, yeah. for therapy, um, you know, for sexual abuse. Uh, re- just you know, podcast to listen to. It's it's really incredible. Yeah, uh, it, it's really uh, disheartening. I knew it was going up, and I honestly did not look at it until today. And and I'm looking at it as we speak now. And uh, uh, you know, it's clearly something that needed to be done. Uh, it's sad that it would need to be done, but this this is really uh, behavior that it's it's really kind of hard to get your head around. Um, yeah, I mean, there are what sixty testimonies, but uh, apparently there could have easily been a hundred. Well, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, I have to say, as somebody who was not one of the everybody who knew and who liked Warren Ellis's work, and I still like his work, but I don't know I'm spending any money on it for the rest of his life. Um, you know, it's kind of shocking. It's like I had no idea this was going on under the surface. Wow. It's, it's really uh, breathtaking. Um, but there is a website. It's called so many of us dot com. And, um, yeah. And, you know, this is, it's, it's hard reading and, you know, content yeah. warning is absolutely called for. Just, it's just, it's just, I, you know, so many, I don't know. It's just, I'll say this. I mean, you know, Ellis definitely had a way of targeting women who were vulnerable to him. And he took advantage of that, you know, and it's really, it's just really disheartening to read. But, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, obviously, this is not just comics. Many, many industries are going through this right now. This kind of reckoning, as I think we called it last time, we called it the reckoning or the purge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we need to build a better industry. But I, I see a lot of people talking about, you know, comics union, comics guild, but also just making comics more professional, you know, making a way. And I, I think a lot of times, um, 
it's it's you know guidelines for people breaking in and i've heard several stories about you know people who go for interviews or portfolio reviews or meetings at cons and they're in the bar and something goes wrong and you know look we should not do that you know if we yeah as an industry let's let's not do that anymore let's really set up a way that um we treat this like a professional industry which i mean it is. Yeah, and one thing that I was kind of horrified hearing as people were discussing about that is the admission that, yeah, if you're not established and you have an agent, everybody treats you like, you know, who do you think you are having an agent? Like, that should be a normal thing to have in a publishing industry, right. an agent. Correct. Uh, well, that, it's in not this day a personal age, insult. A doubt. Now, I had, I mean, I have seen that change over time. I mean, that's an attitude that I used to see back in the day, uh, this notion that uh, having an agent was some kind of crazy thing that, you know, oh, it's, it, um, uh, in an industry that it can be predatory. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about just the comics. I'm talking about publishing. Uh, so, I mean, that is something that seems to have changed over time as more and more comics people understand that they you know they they exist in a bifurcated world of the right. conventional comics industry and the page rate and the book world where right. it's, it's copyright you own it you need an agent uh you're going to get a deal that's not going to be structured in the same way as it would be in a you know in a conventional uh right. page rate kind of situation but, but- uh but it, yeah. that same kind of attitude seems to still, still exist in the world of page rate, and it shouldn't. I mean, I don't necessarily think that comics should switch to the book industry model where if you don't have an agent, you're screwed. But I don't the, – the hostility just sounds like – it sounds like bad juju. You usually only hear that kind of hostility when people deep down know they're screwing their employees. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what's what's profoundly sad. Obviously, the commercial side of it is very important. Uh, there is this powerful sense of community uh, in the comics world. I mean, uh, uh, as expressed very often through Barcon, mm-hmm. uh, and, and which maybe it's a part of the problem. Um, but you know, we're learning more and more that this that this this community and this it can be dangerous. Well, I mean, I think uh, I think one women. thing to highlight right there is the word barcon, right? Yeah. Like there yeah. should be not not instead of, but as yeah. well as there should be more networking opportunities, community togetherness opportunities, bonding opportunities that don't involve alcohol. Because I'm I'm going to be real honest here, like I uh, um. I, as someone who generally does not drink when I'm out of the house, because I prefer not to have alcohol in me when I'm taking public transportation, uh, I've I've been shut out of professional networking opportunities because, like, what am I going to do in a bar, right? Like, I go there and other people drink and sort of look at me funny, and I go, oh, that's great, and then I leave. Like, and it's not that there's anything wrong with drinking. It's just that when that's your primary place to build community and social interaction. Yeah. Um, you know, people's judgment kind of goes downhill and yeah. things aren't necessarily as well behaved as they might otherwise be in another opportunity 
place. So there should be other opportunities to hang out and be a community um, that aren't so alcohol-fueled. I mean, I know there are some, but more, right? Yeah. More. It uh, should yeah. be less yeah. just about BarCon. It should also be BrunchCon. <laughs> well, I mean, I will say this. Like, one of the reasons why BarCon proliferates is because people are are working on the show floor. You know? It's like when people – it's after hours and, you know yep. – like that is why people go to the bar. A bars, hotel bars are made to be, you know, and after parties. These are places that are yeah. made for people who have left the show want to hang out. And right. you know, listen, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, you know, like you could go to a, you know, a party and and not drink. I mean, especially at San Diego. I mean, you can't get a drink most of the time because there's lines are too long. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. I mean, one of the best hangouts at San Diego is actually on Saturday night. There's a kidlit meetup that's just on like that, that's hotel. It's like literally people just sit on the lawn or, you know, wherever it's kind of by the right. pool and people just hang out. And that's a right. really great idea. And I'm not saying there aren't any things like that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that people certainly can't go to a bar and not drink. But what I'm saying is that like, it'd be great to build more opportunities for that kind of thing for people 100%. to think yeah. about how to keep a sense of community but make it maybe feel a little safer yeah. like maybe putting effort into building you know things like that kidlet meetup mm-hmm. yeah and i do think good. right and i agree and you know i say that as um you know the one of the royalty of barcon <laughs> you know and calvin too calvin is a well you know, I'm, I'm in your, your, the queen and her court. Well, <laughs> we are definitely, you I, know, bark on experts, but I do recognize that there need to be places and, you know, guess what? I, I, I'm not a big drinker myself anymore. So after, after quarantine, I'm sick of drinking to be honest. <laughs> Give me no, ice cream. I've, I've been knocking back a few myself, but yeah, look, <laughs> I, 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 I it's tough because I mean it. It is a kind of a default uh, social platform, uh, but you know we do need to think more and more about. You know, uh, there, there's people who realize that hey, you know, just like just like Kate is saying that hey, I'm not going to be the I'm not going to be the party poop. I'll I'll suck it up and you know I, I like all of these people. I just don't want to drink. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. What I also meant is is just like being intentional. About being like, okay, let's create more stuff. Let's yeah, yeah. Let's, let's have other venues. Like, uh, not, let's not stop Barcon. Yeah. Let's not hate Barcon, but let's just build more opportunities. Let's have more. It's additive. It's additive. Additive. But it, it is very sad to, as, as we read more and more accounts, that, uh, you know, the comics industry, as are a lot of industries, but, you know, this is our industry. Uh, there's some, some really awful predatory behavior going on out there. Yeah, and I mean, look, is it is it as common as other industries? Well, not the music industry, I'll tell you that. Yeah, but, um, you know, good. I mean, there's definitely some, uh, but, you know, but it's not great. I mean, one is too many. One is yeah. too many. And, and, and uh, I will say, I, I like I said, I've been talking to a lot of people, and I am super convinced that we need to have, you know, actual HR training for more people in this industry. Yeah. Or harass. Like if you work at a company, at some point they give you harassment training. Yeah. Yep. I mean, literally, like if you work at a company in the state of New York, there is, and if, if your HR didn't give this to you, they're falling down on the job. There is a little computer animated 
kind of a little bit stupid looking course that you have to pass, right? You have uh, to yes. get a little certificate that you spent like an hour and a half, you know, clicking the right little computer animated characters. Which one of these people handled the sexual harassment situation correctly? Clicky. Like, I know, it's dorky, but, you know, sometimes it might help people see when maybe without realizing they might have crossed the line. Yeah. Right. right. Yes, we've had it a few times. And when the people around them are crossing a line, what can they do about it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, the world is changing uh, under our feet. Uh, and uh, we're going to try and, and I think we all want to see the world improve and our world improve. And hopefully we're on the way to that. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, right now we have an absolutely, I will say, we have an incredibly foolproof method of preventing, uh, you know, people going nuts at a bar. And now we can't see each other. So <laughs> we can't go to one. You know, yeah. yeah, we can't go to one. So, <laughs> well, that's not true. <laughs> Alan and so, outside, probably. Yes, well, that's true, actually. Wearing that masks at the correct distance. Yes, but that's we true. We did actually have, I guess we had a sort of mini bar con of yeah. uh, Heidi and, and Jody and yeah. I the other yes. day. <laughs> But um, uh, but yes, it was and, and it was extremely pleasant too. It was great to see Calvin in person yes. and Jody in person, and yeah, I miss people. I like people. I uh, me too. Me too. Yeah. So, uh, but speaking of seeing people, so uh, you know, we're not going to San Diego. I'm sure we've mentioned this on the yeah. podcast as much as we normally mention going to San Diego on the podcast because we're just so sad. And Calvin and Jody and I are going to have next next weekend is when, um. San Diego would have been, and we are going to get together on the Sunday of the con like we did. Like yes. We're going to pretend like we did. And, <laughs> we'll um, have our own dead dog party. <laughs> yeah, we'll have our own little like dead dog party without any dogs, so it's yes. fun. Or we're not dead. I don't know, a live dog party. But um, but yeah, but 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 there is Comic Con at home, which is like yes. five hundred panels. I mean, it's huge. Well, I tell you one thing: it is like it, it, it may be Comic Con at home, but they've got just as many panels at Comic Con as in Seattle, it's, or so right. it seems. This right. is a packed schedule. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, this will be the first time I'm able to attend San Diego Comic Con. Well, that's, <laughs> <laughs> well, if nothing else, we're going to have Kate uh, at you know virtually attending with us. So that's great. You know, there's enough programming that we should do a San Diego Comic Con at home special, guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, why not? You know. Well, we'll have to talk about it. Actually, the the, the Comic Con uh, media people have been reaching out to me saying, "Are, are you going to be covering us at home?" So we'll. We'll have to figure out some kind of coverage for this, for sure. This is, uh, Don't worry, listeners. There will be more to come. Oh, yeah, more to yeah. come. More to but, come. you know, I, I, I went over the uh, the schedule, and, you know, really, I mean, there's a lot of programming, folks. I mean, you know, just quickly, I mean, on Thursday alone, um, you know, uh, there's a uh, – uh, there looks like a great co- – there's a great panel on Thursday, uh, oh, co- comics during a clampdown. Brian Fees, Keith Knight, who had a comic in the New Yorker this week. Yes, he did. Uh, so shout out to uh, uh, to Keith Knight. Uh, Mari Naomi is is going to be on this panel. Jason Sika, Gene Yang looks really great. Uh, there's a satire panel at 1 p.m. Um, with uh, Ben Passmore. Uh, uh, 
uh, Ezra Clayton Daniels, uh, Rob Sikoriak. I mean, there's, there's, uh, yeah, I Girl mean, Squad. This is the best programming ever because anyone can be on a panel. Yeah, yeah we got Girl <laughs> Squad at 2 p.m. with, uh, Cecil Castellucci, Steens, um, Afua Richardson. I mean, and, and the list goes on. Uh, there's a Howard Cruz, um, LGBT salute. Uh, panel on Friday. Uh, Rob Salkowitz is doing a Kirby Lee panel. Uh, you know, there's, there's plenty. I mean, look, and, and this is a fraction. <laughs> I mean, I'm, this is a drop in the bucket of what's on these schedules, the schedule. So, uh, go to comiccon.org and, you know, you can find the whole schedule there. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, they even have, if you go to Comiccon at home, create your own, they even have like, you can, Print your own badge, or you got. They have window signs. They have like they have like a convention. This is so funny. They have a sign. You could print out your own sign that says "Badge Pickup." Like yeah. you could make your own. Then you have a. They have a contest where you create an Instagram and you send it to them. So you know what? I mean, it's really sweet. I think that's really sweet. I, I think it is. So, like, you know, yeah. you you get to kind of have the experience, and you know what? Uh, you don't have to, to 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 stand in a long line to get in the hall age. Yeah, yeah, the first <laughs> time ever. Um, so, well, speaking of what might have been at hall age, uh, although probably not because it's already out, but uh, 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 some media based on comics has been very popular. And uh, Kate, I think you've watched it, haven't you? Yes, the old guard. Because okay, okay. if you like Greg Ruka comics, which I do, and <laughs> you think that Charlie's center on. As a bitter immortal mercenary, sounds like your cup of tea. There you go. This is the action movie for you. Uh, it it has a few differences from the Old Guard Volume One. There's the second volume is coming out in collected edition um, in September, and the last issue of the second story arc comes out yesterday. I haven't picked it up yet. Um, but there are, there are a few little differences, which of course, a lot of clickbait because this is the hottest movie in America for one week. Um, thanks to Netflix, uh, is, um, you know, point out all the differences. You can look for those spoilers if you want people, but I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, as some listeners or longtime listeners may know, like I'm in many ways, a very different movie, con- comics movie consumer than Calvin or Heidi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe a little more eccentric. It depends on how you measure it. Uh, I don't necessarily see every comic property movie there is, but uh, sometimes how dare I you? like the way How dare you? I mean, come on, Kate. I mean, really. How dare you? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but this one, this one I would have been on the front row uh, opening weekend, no question, um, because I really did love the original graphic novel. And it's not spoiling anything to say that, yes, if you liked Highlander, you probably will like this because it does have, you know, immortal soldiers fighting for justice. Oh, there could uh, be no- yeah. But there is not only one. That's the thing. Actually, it's, it's, it's all about, um, teamwork because, um, they don't actually get any goodies from killing each other. Instead, like, they're the only other people who are immortal. So they all hang out together and do good deeds. Uh-huh. Okay. Usually with heavy weaponry. Uh, 
Nice. Because they're immortal, and so therefore they're better suited to those jobs than us fragile humans. So, you know, I heard some people saying that this should have been a series, not a movie. What do you think, Kate? Well, I don't see that it's necessarily one or the other. I think um, – okay, somebody's making some noise. Oh, sorry. That's me. That was Calvin. It's me. It was Calvin. It's me. Sorry about that. Okay. I'm just looking for um, notes, so my apology. Well, I mean, I think – I can see either way. Like, I think it was much more likely to be made into a movie and much more likely to come to a satisfying conclusion as a movie and less likely to be canceled in the middle of everything like Vagrant Queen. Sorry, Vagrant Queen. Um, as a movie. But, you know, as the Highlander – a successful movie series can often spawn a successful television series. So don't rule anything out, people. There could be only eight episodes. Yeah. Um, the I would say that, refreshingly, um, the two female main characters get a lot more characterization than the three male main characters. Um, so Niall is the uh, modern-day person who is a soldier in Afghanistan who is the modern day person who realizes that she's immortal and is really freaked out about it. Whereas uh, Andy, a.k.a. Andromanch of Scythia, uh, the Charlize Theron character, is so old that like when you ask her, she really doesn't have a number for you and is kind of burned out. Like, not 100% all the time depressingly burned out to watch, but, like, she clearly is kind of done. Um, although there's a great bit with some baklava. You have to see the baklava scene. Um, and and so they both get a lot more characterization. Both um, Niall, who, although she is a professional soldier, is, like, really – not at the point where she can just brush off killing someone, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's not casual about it at all. And she hadn't necessarily signed up to be a soldier for the rest of her life, much less the rest of eternity. Whereas um, Andy has, like, centuries of baggage and people she lost because – not really that much of a spoiler alert. It's pr- brought up pretty much immediately as she's giving the whole, like, welcome to the club speech to Niall. Um, these immortals are not, like, immortal immortal. Like Highlander immortals, um, there are ways in which they can eventually die. So, you know, it, it just because your friends are immortal, you're less likely to lose them, but it's not impossible. And Andy has definitely lost some people, and it's definitely left its scars. Um, so it's, it's, but it's interesting. It's fun. It definitely works, I would say, as like the first installment of a movie series. Like, you know, come on, you got to get a couple more movies so you can get some more characterization in for the other characters. But I'm glad the ones we have to wait on characterization for aren't the women for once. I mean, mean, the other guys are fine, but we don't know as much about them as if they were the main characters. But they're interesting, and I'd love to learn more about so, them. And, and where can we see this, Kate? We can watch it on Netflix. Netflix. And hopefully someday in a film festival at a theater near you when they play Old Guard 1, 2, and 3 all together. Yes. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay. All right. So, okay. Calvin, so 
Thomas, yes. you promised to talk about some stuff that was on your mind. <laughs> okay. Well, I, the, you know, it, it's, 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 I, I got a little list of stuff, uh, and it, this, it's, it's stuff from my mind, but what we're really talking about, it's stuff that's being published in Publishers Weekly. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna lead off the list with, <clears throat> it's a, it's just a sort of a comics related item, uh, to a much bigger story. Uh, it's tied into how the book publishing work is tied into diversity. Uh, and it's, it's tied into a kind of a, 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 we're seeing maybe what we're seeing is a verge of a, of a big change in the book publishing industry. Actually, the New York Times did a even uh, bigger story on it uh, late yesterday. Uh, although, <clears throat> if I do say so, my story came out first. Basically, it was the appointment yeah, of Lisa Lucas. Who is the, uh, who has been since 2016 has been the executive director of the National Book Foundation, which oversees, uh, the National Book Awards, which I like to say are the Eisners of the prose world. <laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm sure they would really appreciate that description, but, but they know it's all about love. Uh, uh, look, if you don't know who Lisa Lucas is, she's uh, a <laughs> dynamic, uh, delightful, uh, smart, driven, um, uh, uh, powerhouse of a woman who has done an amazing job at lifting the National Book Foundation as profile. Uh, uh, the National Book Foundation, in, in, uh, in addition to overseeing the awards, they do all kinds of national reading programs. She has uh, strengthened those programs. They deliver more than a million books free to young readers in public housing. They do all kinds of stuff. Uh, she has been named the head, uh, Pantheon Books and Shocking Books, two of the most celebrated, uh, book publishing imprints, a part of the Penguin Random House, uh, mammoth publishing operation. Um, and, uh, this is a, uh, Lisa was the first person of color to, uh, be the executive director of the National Book Foundation. Now, she's not the first black person, um, you know, at Pantheon, um, Shocking. But, uh, she's a really interesting hire, an African American woman, uh, uh, and she's really been appointed, uh, really to reimagine these two celebrated imprints as they move into, you know, another century. Uh, she was appointed by Reagan Arthur, who is the, the, the head of the, uh, Knopf Publishing Division. But, uh, what we have at Pantheon, uh, in an, uh, interesting way is, Really, in some ways, the, a pioneering and groundbreaking graphic novelist, the Pantheon graphic novelist. Uh, it, there's right. no, nothing like it in any other are, big five are, house. Didn't they publish a little thing called Persepolis? A little thing called Persepolis, and I think they kicked off the whole thing with a little thing called Mouse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> little thing called Mouse. They now, of course, have one of the most uh, august um, – Lists for graphic novels. Uh, among them, their authors are Spiegelman, Ben Catcher, Dan Close, David Massa, Kelly, Chris Ware, Sidney Padua, Jessica Abe. I mean, the list goes on and well, on yeah. and on. I mean, honestly, like uh, Pantheon's uh, graphic novel program really is is the first really extensive one in mainstream publishing. And, yes, you know, and, I and, mean, they publish Mouse, Persepolis, and yeah, they've had some really strong editors there over the years. Uh, Anjali Singh was there. I know she moved on. Um, she's the one who brought in Persepolis. And then Chip Kidd has also... And um, yes, and Chip Kidd is the... Uh, yes, Chip yes. Kidd and also the editor-in-chief of Pantheon, who now reports to Lisa, Dan Frank. 
Yes, Dan Frank is a huge. He's a yes. huge. Um, so anyway, but what did Lisa have to say about graphic? Well, novels? Lisa, Lisa was very excited. Out? Now, of course, Pantheon, you know, is a great publishing uh, um, uh, uh, list, um, and but she was very excited about the fact that uh, that she would be overseeing this this um, graphic novel list. She, uh, um, in fact, uh, we were uh, buzzing on Twitter. I mean, first of all, Lisa, I think she, I think her, her handle is like a Lisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's on Twitter constantly, uh, talking about books, uh, you know, telling you what she's doing. You know, her new bookshelves are up. Uh, you know, she's, she's been in LA for the pan- pandemic, you know, obviously, but she lives in New York. Um, uh, she worked at Desert Island. I wish I didn't know. Oh, so she's uh she has some real street cred. Before apparently before she was at uh the National Book Foundation, yeah, because before she did that she uh she was the executive director of the Tribeca Film Institute. Uh, uh after that she was the publisher of the online literary magazine Guernica. Uh, uh so <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so she was very excited. We, you know, we were talking about her plans and, and what, you know, and this new appointment, but she wanted to talk about graphic novels. She said it's a dream to be, you know, to be shepherding this list now. Talked about her, her, you know, her, her comic shop cred. Uh, uh, and I also talked with, uh, uh you know, Reagan Arthur, uh, 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 about this too. Um, uh, so really, I, it, it was really just more a kind of, uh, enthusiastic call about how this, this fast growing category, it really, uh, has a groundbreaking home at Penguin Random House and that it figures in their plans going forward. And they, you know, obviously they looked to expand it, to reimagine it also as they go forward. So that's, that's all just, just, I just, you know, just a little touch on, on graphic novel publishing, uh, uh, in the trade book world. But very quickly, I also just want to point our listeners to, uh, our fall 2020 graphic novel list is up. Uh, I don't think we've had a chance to talk about it on uh, on the show yet, but uh, I'm just going to mention it. Go to publisherswiki.com slash comics. Uh, also, The Fanatic went out this week. We have a bunch of great stories. Uh, Rob Southwood, friend of the show, uh, profile Vortex 247, a, a subscription service based in uh, Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, it's a online uh, app-based mobile comics issue. Uh, just like, you know, Webtoons, they have their own take on it. Uh, they've got media deals. Check that out. We have an interview with, uh, V.E. Swab, uh, about her, uh, Shades of Magic graphic novel series that's based in the same, uh, universe as her prose novels. Go check that out. And we've got a great interview with Adrian Tomini about her, Tomina, uh, about yeah, his new hey, book. Yeah, he does it, Calvin. Uh, you, yes, I know. I, you know, uh, you, the, the correct pronunciation is at the end of the article. And just very quickly, also as a compliment to the uh, podcast interview I did with Joe Sacco about his new book, Paying the Land, we have a 12, uh, 12 page excerpt from Paying the Land. Uh, go to publishersweekly.com slash comics and you can get an introduction to it, to the book. It's a really about the indigenous people of Canada, their struggles, and particularly now as they face off against Mining, fracking, and oil interests uh, to try to to extract these resources so that they benefit from them. It's a really uh, deep dive into the culture and the contemporary way of life of uh, First Nations people in Canada. So uh, that's my quick Calvin stuff. Okay. Okay. Well, 
That's we good. have some happy news to end things on. If you love the far side, and who who among us does not love Yari Larson's The Far Side, long missed in papers across the nation, and now syndicated on his own website, farside.com, be happy to know that he is putting out new comics. Uh, he's already put out three under the The New Stuff section of his Farside website, and um, he says in a little note to his readers that no, he's not going to be putting out comics on a daily basis anymore, but he is going to put out comics every time he feels like putting out comics on his website. So there will be more to come on that. Cool. There you go. More to come. More far side. Uh, and in general, uh, so we'll be uh, virtually doing our Comic-Con at home next week um, and perhaps with some interviews. And other than that, there will be more to come.